0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Our guest today is Nicole Smith, the special events coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Since reopening in late June, the museum continues to inspire visitors with Mississippi's natural wonders. Today we're going to talk about one of their most popular events, Science Fest, which is going all virtual this year. We'll talk about some other things going on at the museum. And as always, Dr. Major is here, ready to take your pet questions. You can join the conversation with your phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or email the show. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org always like to remind you of the repeat broadcast of Creature Comforts. In addition to Thursday mornings at 9, it airs every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Sorry, we didn't have you on the air. Hi, Dr. Major. Good morning. How are you doing this morning?
2: I'm fine. I said you can hear things well. This dogs in the background. So <laughs> moving right along.
1: Uh, We've got an email here uh, that says, and I don't actually remember this call, but it says, I was listening to your show a few weeks ago and a woman phoned in with a problem with her cat's ears in the summertime. I have this problem with my black cat. I've taken him to four vets, and no one has been able to figure it out except to tell me it's allergies. It also affects his nose. I begin each spring with cortisone shots every six weeks through September. In addition, I apply Dermalone ointment that I get from the vet. I put zinc oxide sunscreen on his ears every few days which works well. Um, do you remember the, the call? I'm trying to... Was it possibly uh, itchy ears?
2: Well, I think it was uh, hair loss. Uh, maybe even uh, tips of the ears were affected. Uh, certainly in white cats, uh, just changing the subject a little bit, in white cats, they certainly have uh, propensity for solar damage, such as the squamous cell carcinoma, and that sort of thing. However... In this time of the year, I suspect, based on what I remember of that conversation, that it was mosquitoes that were causing the problem. Uh, they will cause facial and some cats, not all cats, but cause uh, dermatitis, uh, hair loss around the ears, and that sort of thing. So, I, I'm not sure exactly about that call either. What this uh, person is doing sounds like it's working for that cat. So, certainly you can try.
1: So when we talk about a cat's ears, what are some things uh, that pet owners should keep in mind? I guess maybe if there is scratching or hair loss, what are some other signs that there might be uh, something that needs to be checked with their ears?
2: Well, certainly ear infection could be the issue. Uh, Also, uh, we do see some food allergies that are evidenced in cats' uh, hair on their face and ears. So that would be something to talk to your veterinarian and, and check out. Uh, But infection, we see a fair amount of, I think we see more infection in dogs' ears than we do in cats' ears, Uh, but we still do see, see some cats that do have some infection.
1: Uh, my cat was five years old yesterday, so he uh, celebrated his birthday. Um,
2: he, it's still a young cat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I had a picture of him when he was a kitten and he could fit and fit in the palm of my hand and now he's got to be quite big, but you know, we've talked about the the cat's behavior of knocking things off of counters and that sort of thing. Has there ever been any speculation about why they do that? It's always amazing to me that that cat will kind of stop what he's doing see something, and just knock it right off of there and then go along on his business. Ha- have we ever tried to figure out why cats do that?
2: Well, uh, you have to think about this, how the cat's thinking. It's because it's there, uh, and some cats do have a propensity for uh, knocking things off. Uh, I think if they've said somewhere that if the world was flat, everything would be knocked <laughs> off by the cat. And it might be true, but they some cats love that. Uh, I've had... Uh, Had to pay for a computer one time. Uh, Cat knocked it off and and damaged it. So uh, they can do some pretty, pretty strange things. But uh, yes, they love to knock things off. I'm not sure that anybody knows exactly why, but uh, again, it's because they can.
1: (laughs) Well, you're right, and you know that uh, they like getting up on counters and that sort of thing. So I I guess maybe. If they figure something's in the way, they just push it out of the way.
2: And always remember that saying, if cats could talk, they wouldn't.
1: (laughs) 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 I like that one. Uh, We've got a caller on the line. Our friend uh, Kathleen has called in from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
3: Well, Kevin, we're still alive and well out here beyond our reputation. Uh, Listen, I have just been, quote, restowed a dog. Uh, A friend of mine works during the day and is in transition. So during the day, I am babysitting this dog. And we were talking about his toenails. Now the toenails, I've been cutting for, you know, my pets for years, but this dog has black toenails. And you can't really determine from the upper view or whatever where the, what they call the quick is. And how do I cut this dog's toenails? And beside the way, his name is Dog, and it confuses me. And I have to say, what's up, Dog? But (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't get my humor. But uh, if y'all could help me with that, I would appreciate it.
2: Okay, question. How big is this dog?
3: About 75, 80 pounds.
2: Okay, very tame. Very tame. Right, if you're... Look at the bottom of the nail. You can see where it kind of makes a little split there, headed back up toward the uh, the base of the nail. Uh-huh. I would suggest this dog, do two things. Number one, just take the tips off, just small amounts. Uh, uh-huh. The other would be to get a dremel, and you could actually dremel uh, these nails down a little bit. If they haven't been done in a while, the quick does grow out longer. In other words, right. blood supply. So I'd be very careful and just cut small amounts. Uh, and then if you have a Dremel or something like that, you can sand them down and smooth them out. A lot of times after you trim a nail, it just gives another surface. So sometimes they're almost sharper after you trim them. If you don't, uh, take a Dremel or something like that and smooth them down.
3: Yeah, well, I'm lucky. I'm one of those gals that has a Dremel. You can ask Jason.
2: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> Listen. I enjoy your show, and, Kevin, I love this show about that. You know I'm plagued with them out here, and we had that silly conversation when Doc, somebody, Dr. Toy and Libby, Liz, was saying about uh, the lights in the attic, and I was kidding about putting a disco ball up there. I still get ribbed about that. <laughs> Y'all have a good, good day, and I enjoy everything.
1: All right, Kathleen, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a pet question for Dr. Troy Major, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at dot org. Oh, so, yes?
2: I just had this awful thought of seeing the bats with the disco ball. Having a party.
1: That would be worth the price of admission, I think. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Major, this other email, I think uh, Java, our producer, said he forwarded it to you, and it was about an interesting spider that has taken up residence on the front porch in Hattiesburg. The emailer says, when we first noticed it, it was about an inch long, now a month later it's four inches long. Its body is almost rectangular in shape, and a couple of nights ago she left an egg sac on the post next to her web. One morning there was a large roach in her web. I thought it was dead, but then we saw its antenna moving. On the third morning, I noticed that the roach had come alive and was struggling on the web. This is the part I don't understand. My husband set the roach free. I don't, I don't know. Uh, very squeamish about spiders, but this spider is too interesting to ignore. Or destroy. What type of spider is it? Obviously, she has venom that paralyzes insects. Would her bite be poisonous to humans or other household animals? Uh, Libby uh, responded and said, "I think it's it's the um, the golden something spider." Dr. Major, what was your guess of, from this email?
2: Well, I would say the golden orb.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: uh, probably exactly what it is. And uh, you know, they're they're garden spiders. Uh, they're very beautiful. And they have a beautiful web uh, if you look at it in the right light. And obviously, she had an egg packet and uh, has baby spiders that are going to hatch out. So they're they're good. They, as far as the uh, bite, uh, it's not enough to cause a problem in a human or a pet. But uh, certainly, they can paralyze insects. And I hate that he let the roach go, but that's okay too. <laughs> anyway. But yep. that's, that's what, what that
1: is. Okay. And, and and Libby agreed with you. She said, you know, no, wor- no worry about pets or humans, but that it's uh, often appreciated by people because it does take care of a lot of the pests, uh, like roaches and hopefully maybe mosquitoes and other things, insects, uh, that we want to get rid of. So if you have one around your house and you're not overly squeamish about a spider, that might be one uh, to keep around because they're doing you some good. It's uh, time for our first break this hour today. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. We'll take a call first. So let's go to Alicia in Biloxi before we take our break. Go ahead. You're on the air with us.
0: Hi. I have a question about cats. You may have answered it sometime before, uh, and I just missed the answer. But my question has to do with why they are sometimes just happy and sedate, and then suddenly they jump up and go crazy with activity, running up and down halls for five or ten minutes, and then they stop and become lazy again.
2: That's a great question. Uh, I would do with bursts of energy that the cats have. You know, when cats are outside, if you watch an outside cat, uh, they spend a lot of time just sitting around looking. But they're also well prepared to uh, uh, go after prey, whether it's a rat or mouse or bird. And uh, they have these bursts of energy. Cats need to let off some. So I would say that it's fairly normal. Uh, Unfortunately, if it happens in the middle of the night and they bounce across your head. But uh, it, it does happen, and I would say that it's a pretty normal cat thing.
1: Uh, and Alicia, being a cat owner, I know what you speak of. It's it's funny because you're right, the, you know, the cat's snoozing away on the couch or something, then all of a sudden for about 10 minutes it's running up and down the hall, jumping around, just causing all kind of havoc, and then he's back to, to sleeping again. So uh, that's, I, to me, one of the fun things about having a cat is just watching them go nuts when they're in that active period. I agree. I think it's
0: very funny, but they seem so strange when they're doing it.
1: They they do seem rather manic like they're they're very concerned about something and uh I don't know that's just as we were saying earlier about knocking things off of uh, counters and things that's some of the mysterious behaviors of our of our house cats so maybe
2: maybe, maybe they're seeing things there that we can't see like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or sensing something that we can't that's that's not that's not a bad theory doctor major All right, uh, Alicia, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in this morning. Uh, Now we will take that first break of our hour. Uh, Today we're going to have Nicole Smith, special events coordinator from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science with us. Science Fest, uh, which includes all four museums in the LaFleur Museum District, is coming up. We'll get details on that. It's all virtual this year. As uh, I mentioned earlier, Dr. Major here, ready for your pet questions as well. You can call in with your questions and comments. Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. We have a question for you during the break. What year did the Museum of Natural Science open? We'll have the answer for you, so stay tuned. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hardfield. Today we're talking with Nicole Smith about the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science upcoming event, Science Fest. If you want to join our conversation this morning with your question or comment, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. Seven four six four, you can email the show, send it to animals at MPBonline dot org. Before the break we asked when the Museum of Natural Science opened uh, Java, our producer, has that information for us.
2: And I like to say that the museum, well, it's not like I like to say, <laughs> like I made it up. But <laughs> in 1932, uh, the beloved Miss Fanny Cook wrote the state's first game laws and became the museum's first director, thus founding the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So after 1932, we, Mississippi, had our Museum of Natural Science.
1: Thanks to Miss Fanny Cook. I think that's the year my mom was born who celebrated her birthday yesterday and so she would be 88? Am I right? Wow. My mom and the museum still going strong. Uh, We've got Libby on the line now. Now Libby, uh, you have been traveling around and had been sort of our roaming reporter for the last couple of weeks. Where are you now?
4: I am camped on the Green River in Utah. All right. Absolutely beautiful and both sides of this canyon i can see beautiful i guess i'm tempted to call them mountains but you know they're rocky bluffs and uh beautiful rock formations everywhere and uh and the the river is smaller than the pearl but um absolutely beautiful here and we've kind of been trying to avoid smoke we've been Uh, Really caught up in everything going on in the West. There are lots of fires, and for about six hours we drove through very heavy smoke and ash. And, uh, you know, but luckily nothing was too close to the main road. So it, it was a couple of times the roads closed behind us after we had gotten down the road a little way. So we are able to keep moving and i think we're probably out of it but now today we're going into colorado so we'll probably see the snow from the uh this kind of unusual uh snowstorm that's come through the west so we've had um an interesting trip and i don't see any smoke in the sky right now probably for the for the first time in three days so that's good
1: uh what are the what's the weather like in utah
4: it's uh coo we're you know looking around here um i can see campers in the distance and we've you know you've got on winter hats and i've got a a wool sweater on right now and it's it's in the 50s it's probably 55 and there's a cool breeze all
1: right well that's that's very pleasant
4: yesterday morning we were um in the um in the hills in um Well, I guess we were really in the mountains. We were in the Cascades. And uh, it was 28 degrees when we woke up in the morning. So uh, this is an improvement a little bit.
1: (laughs) That makes 55 sound like a heat wave.
4: (laughs) Yes, definitely, yeah. An interesting thing that we've seen, uh, pronghorn antelopes. used to see them in our trips out west a lot and um, had not seen any for a couple of years and uh we saw um, got good looks up close at pronghorns yesterday going through utah uh dis-
1: now, describe what they look like
4: I, yeah uh they um well it's i guess kind of like a small deer with a short um antler you could say they've got beautiful uh black and white markings uh, uh in the face and a kind of a, a a black collar around their throat and they're very very fast it's a, a it's not a true antelope because it's um i guess all the true antelopes are in africa but we call it an antelope or just a pronghorn and um uh, some populations i think are still endangered and others have recovered it's a an animal that early on and um in the endangered species act in the 70s and 80s. Um, people were very concerned about populations, and I think some of the populations are still in um, very low numbers, but they're beautiful animals. They move fast. They jump. It's in a way to their disadvantage now because uh, they can't be confined very easily in a habitat, so uh, they, they do well where they've got a lot of space.
1: So are you uh, concerned about the, the snow coming up on, on your way back east?
4: Um, no, just from what we've read, the temperatures were fairly warm in places, you know, above freezing. And then this snowstorm came through and dumped a lot of snow. And, but it's going to warm back up pretty quick. And the ground was warm, so we're thinking we'll have no trouble at all on the roads. But there'll probably be a beautiful dusting in the mountains and there may be a good bit in the mountains some places. We, uh, We saw a dusting of snow pretty much yesterday, most of the day in Idaho. You could tell that they had gotten a little bit of the snow.
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Also joining us today is uh, Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, She's going to tell us about some upcoming events at the museum. Nicole, thanks uh, for being uh, on the air with us today.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, it's good to touch base with you guys. It's been
1: a minute. <laughs> it has. It has. Uh, and so, you know, like uh, many people, the COVID-19 affected the Museum of Natural Science but uh, reopened to the public in late June. Uh, so how has that been going and what are some precautions and, and, and changes in procedure that you've installed to make sure the public can enjoy the museum uh, in a safe manner?
0: So it's going really well. Uh, We uh, do ask for people to make reservations uh, to come, and you can just go to our website and it tells you how to do that. And uh, so we can have timed arrivals, Um, and when you kind of schedule your time to come, because they have a limit on how many people are in the space, you know, to kind of minimize contact, uh, they. You can uh, come and then you can pay once you get there. That gives you a little, you know, a little flex. Like, let's say your baby really has to go to the bathroom late and you, don't, you get here like 15 minutes later than you planned on. That's life. we expect that. So that gives you a little bit of wiggle room there. Um, and we also have um, changed a couple of things about entrance. We have directional pathways uh, that you follow now, and that helps keeping you from... Um, crisscrossing other people's paths so you're not in a a breast trail so to speak we do uh, ask that people wear masks you know we wear masks and when people wear masks everything's a little safer we have added uh supplemental cleaning stations uh sanitation stations through the through the building you know extra germex and we're doing uh, cleanings of any touch surface every two hours so it's uh you know, we're, we're taking a lot of thought and trying to follow the recommendations of uh, the CDC and um, the uh, the museum associations group uh, to do things in a safe and responsible way.
1: Uh, so is there a suggested sort of route through the entire museum, or is that just getting people yeah. in there? Okay, so that, that makes a whole lot of sense, and that's, uh, you know, you can still enjoy the whole museum, but then again, as you mentioned, you're not sort of... Walking into other people's wakes or whatever, and you know you can uh, yeah. look at things very safely. And I and,
0: and of course there's the trails too. Like you know, one of the safest places you can have an experience now is outdoors, as long as you're you know, distance from people. And we have all these beautiful trails that are such a blessing. And it's, we are in. Bird migration like crazy. I don't know if your uh, hummingbird feeders have been drained to the last drop every day like mine <laughs> have been, but it's a good sign that migration's happening. And there's some beautiful, beautiful birds here right now, and it's full-on spider season. So if you're a spider fan, the golden silk org weavers are everywhere, and they're just gorgeous. So there's, uh, That might scare some people, but they're, they tend to be a little bit off-trail, so don't be freaked out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Talk a little bit about the trails. It's not just for experienced hikers. You have sort of paths and everything that are very short hikes, and then some that are a little bit more longer and challenging for those folks that that do enjoy hiking.
0: Absolutely. You know, in a way, I wouldn't really refer to our trails as hiking trails because they're not super vigorous, any of them, but some of them are a little bit long, and and one of them does have, uh, you know, stairs. You you need them to kind of handle an incline. But beyond that, it's just, it is, it's very beautiful. We have short loops, we have long loops, the longest one goes all the way to Maze Lake and back. That's a total of three miles. Uh, you know, and then you have the, the short loops I really like because, you know, I will sometimes or have done, uh, programs with very young children and, you know how long it can take just to get from your door to the car sometimes with the little <laughs> ones, They find interesting things along the pathway, yeah, and that can take a while, so sometimes a short leaf is your way to go. <laughs> uh,
1: so you joined us to talk about uh, Science Fest. It's coming up uh, September 18th and 19th, and again, as we might anticipate with uh, COVID-19, things are a little bit different this year. First of all, tell us generally, what is Science Fest?
0: Okay, great. So uh, those, all four of the host museums are open, and that's the Science Fest has four hosts. It has the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It has the Mississippi Children's Museum, the Mississippi Ag and Forestry Museum, and it has the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. So uh, in the past, in the past four or five years, we have had this as a multi-campus event where different STEM exhibitors from across the state different industries and professions, do demonstrations, uh, hands-on activities, all that with the kids. Well, this year, of course, it's a virtual event. We can't do it on site because of COVID. So what we are doing is uh, we wanted to keep the science going. So it's going to be we approached our favorite exhibitors and said, would you like to make something for this as a virtual event? And a lot of them jumped right on. They were so excited to do something for the kids, for families, for adults that have an interest in science and wanted to learn more. So we've had everybody from NASA to NOAA. We've got the Library Commission. Um, there are just so many great exhibitors that have um, jumped in and created videos uh that will be broadcast through the Lafleur Museum District Facebook page. And since, you know, all the hosts are in this district, it makes sense that the main broadcast is coming through that page. So if you haven't liked that page yet on Facebook, please do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you're going to see all the good stuff we're doing. Like on the 18th, um, which is a Friday, uh, you know, it gets kicked off at 9 o'clock with a, with a exhibition group called the Computer Explorers. Then at 9.30, NASA kind of comes in. And every half hour up until 2 o'clock, there's a different exhibitor showing either one or several short demonstrations of things that are scientifically related or STEM-related in general for our state. And we're even sharing this information with schools so that schools that are learning virtually – can kind of take advantage you know in the past maybe not everybody could come on a field trip Friday and now they can all come virtually that have access to a computer and to um that LaFleur Museum District Facebook page so I think it's going to be a good experience this is new for us you know we've learned a lot to make this happen <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a good virtual event
1: all right, we're going to take a pause here. We're going to continue talking with Nicole Smith, Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. After the break, uh, if you visited the museum recently and want to call in and share your experiences with us, we always would like to hear that. And Dr. Major is on hand, ready for your pet questions. The number to call to join our conversation is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 You can email the show Send it to animals at org. Back with more after this Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour The arts interview show
2: on Think Radio Every week myself or one of my fellow hosts Bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians We talk with visual artists
1: Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science on Creature Comforts. And our guest today for this hour is Nicole Smith, special events coordinator for the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We've been talking about Science Fest going virtual this year and coming up on September 18th and 19th. Uh, So, Nicole, you mentioned that with being virtual, some uh, schools uh, kind of have have been able to join in, where uh, otherwise on a Friday they might not have been able to make a field trip. Are you noticing any other silver linings to a a virtual fest this year?
0: (laughs) Well, we are getting participation of a few exhibitors that normally would have loved to have been here, but maybe travel had been cut in their budget, and so they they couldn't, you know, maybe physically be here, but they can be there virtually, so that's that's kind of nice. There is a plus in that, I suppose. Um, another kind of nice thing that we have been able to work out, okay, we all care passionately about bringing science to children, but we want those, like, genuine experiences, something more than just watching a video, too. And we didn't want to lose that. So all four museums got together, and we said, okay, what can we do? And we built an activity kit that you can buy um, so that you can do some experiments and crafts and investigations at your house that kind of brings the science fest to you in like a very meaningful way. And we're actually going to be doing a, a giveaway for one of those kits, a, a promotional giveaway. It's on the museum's Facebook page, the Mississippi Museum of Natural Sciences Facebook page right now. Uh, and we're, and you can, Just kind of register to win, you know, enter to win. And if you win it, uh, we'll be letting you know really soon. I think uh, we announced the winner on Monday. So you've got until noon on Sunday to enter for that. But the kit has eight different activities, uh, all the materials to to do the activities. And we even have created a a dedicated um, private YouTube channel that's going to be for the people that are using the kit. So we've got videos to go with the kit. So it's kind of like you have a special instructor with you on your computer helping you do the activities, kind of go through them entirely and have a more intimate experience. You know, we're far away, but we want to feel close. And so we're uh, trying to do something really cool there.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So if, if the folks who get the kit, there will be the specific, I mean, some things specifically geared to those, those uh, uh, um, things that they can do in the kit. That sounds like a, a lot of fun.
0: Right, and 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 the nice thing about the kit too is you can do the. I mean, once you have your kit, you can buy them, or if you're lucky, you get to win one of these promotional kits too. Uh, but once you get one, you can do that as soon as you get it because you'll have a code. You'll be, at, you know, you'll have your stuff. You can go ahead and do that, and then at at your leisure on the 18th and the 19th, you can enjoy all the virtual broadcast stuff that's coming out of of the district
1: um you mentioned a couple of the exhibitors i think you mentioned nasa and NOAA. could you maybe give us an idea of some of the other virtual exhibitors that uh, in science fest this year
0: oh yeah so we've got oh gosh there's so many great ones so mima for kids is going to be there uh the mississippi library commission has done a, a really uh great interactive um video for kids to do they even uh, at one point Break away from their formal demonstration and say, "Hey, go around your house and gather these materials, and then do do this on your own." <laughs> so that's kind of wonderful. Uh, we're Central Creativity is going to be there uh, virtually. The Magnolia Wood Turners, was it the National Weather Service, UMMC Pediatric Neurosurgery. So we've got you know a, there's a lot. There's a lot, and you can actually see our schedule uh, if you go to our. The event has a web page. Ms. ScienceFest.org, and you can see our virtual schedule, everything that's happening on that Friday and Saturday, the 18th and 19th. Uh, Ceasefire has been our uh, primary sponsor for this, and they've been so great to you know, give us a little support to get the outreach happening, because right now, so many people are depending on computer science education. And 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 there's just such a need for computer science professionals. So they've kind of helped us get this going uh, so that virtual learning can continue for those that can't be in person.
1: We're going to uh, want to talk about some other things going on at the museum as well. But we do have a pet question on the line for Dr. Major. So let's say good morning to Karen in Olive Branch. Karen, thanks for waiting. You're on the air with us now. So go ahead.
5: Good morning, everyone. Um, Dr. Major, I have a 14-year-old rat terrier who's had three bouts of vertigo in the last year. And the vets told me it's called old dog vestibular. In your uh, experience, does it usually happen for no reason, or do you think she's just dementia or a possible tumor?
2: Okay, how is she right now?
5: Um, Well, the third time, she got over it much faster. The first time was like 10 days of misery. And uh, this last time, she was... She has leftover definite um, balance problems, but she's right. eating and drinking and has plenty of energy.
2: When she did this, was she circling on one side? Um, she circles some. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do for them. I don't know if they recommended any medication, but we do see this in the older dogs sometimes. Uh, did she have her vision? Was she able to see okay when these things were happening the first couple of
5: times this last time i would say if i'm further than about 15 feet away she doesn't know where i am until i call out to her and she needs to like orient to me
2: i think the best thing you could say really would keep her where she you know be protected won't hurt herself uh mm-hmm. if they going to get worse it sounds like it actually got better on the third one so i think there can be varying degrees of this uh I don't know that I can help you a whole lot and protect her. And as long as she's eating and seems to be happy, I'd hang in there with her. Okay?
5: Okay. That sounds great. Thank you.
2: You're welcome.
1: Thanks, Karen. Good to hear from you this morning. Dr. Major, here is another email with a pet question, this one dealing with cats. It says, I'm an animal lover, particularly cats. I've loved and cared for them since childhood. I work as a part-time house cleaner. Uh, While cleaning, I needed to make the beds. A large tabby was sitting on the bed, tried to gently get him or her to move until I was finished changing the sheets. He or she got really angry and hissed, uh, then got under the bed and growled at me. Finally, it moved into the hall area. When I got out there, the big tabby growled and hissed and actually looked like it was going to attack me. It frightened me as I've never had to deal with such behavior. Uh, Not only was I frightened, but couldn't understand why this cat acted in such an aggressive manner. It was my second visit working there, and though not happy to be moved, the cat was okay toward me the first time. Not sure if it's territorial, but it made me uncomfortable to say the least. I told the owner about the cat, and even she was a bit puzzled. I think what upsets me the most is I've always thought of myself as the cat whisperer. Cats usually adore me, even the sourpusses. Could it be that the cat picked up a scent of my cats? I have three lovely ones at home. Uh, or what do you think might be the cause of this aggressive behavior?
2: That's interesting. We don't know how old the cat is or whether this happened before some, with somebody else. Uh, she said she cleans the house. I don't know if there might have been a cleaner or something like that that she had on her that the cat got upset about. Uh, obviously, the cat had claimed that bed and didn't want her to uh, be messing with her. Uh, I would use caution. Uh, sometimes there's unknown reasons for aggression. And not knowing much about this cat, it'd be hard for me to give a lot of advice. I would suggest though, being very careful. It's a large cat so of it could, uh, inflict some wounds. And, uh, I would talk with the owner, house owner about this and possibly she could confine this cat in a certain area, uh, when she's coming in to clean the house. Uh, otherwise, be very careful.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I like your advice of getting with the owner and saying maybe, you know, while I come to clean the house, if if you could put the cat, you know, somewhere uh, where there's not a lot of interaction there. <clears throat> on a lighter note, my cat does love to get on the bed when I'm trying to change the sheets as well. So I think that's another one of those uh, funny, uh, funny slash irritating behaviors that cats have. But I've really come to uh, appreciate the fact that my cat certainly loves to be uh, the center of attention. Again, as, as standoffish as we think cats are. Uh, mine, uh, when he wants to be, certainly can insinuate himself right up into the middle of whatever is going on, that's for sure. Uh, we've got another pet question here for you, Dr. Major, this one coming from Melissa in Edwards. You're on the air with us, Melissa. Thanks for calling.
3: Yes, sir. Um, I have, a, uh, I have a, a four-year-old Labrador, and um, she's, like, really skinny. I've been trying to get her, like, flipped, you know, get her, what, what can I do left to help her gain weight?
2: Okay, uh, is she healthy? Yes, sir. I would consider you know changing food you've probably already done this. We get a food that's uh fairly high protein and fat uh you don't want to cause diarrhea or anything like that, but maybe add some something to her food to help. What are you feeding her now?
3: um um
2: taste of the wild, okay. Is that a, is that a uh, refrigerated food? Oh, no, sir. It's just it's a dry, just with the dry food. Okay. okay. Why don't you add some canned food of a comparable nature to that? Okay. See if that will help uh, her appetite. Okay. Uh, we have all kind of situations. I know we have one dog in the clinic now that really is a German shepherd, but it really doesn't eat unless you hand feed it, which is pretty bad with a big dog. Yes, uh, we had a caller uh, last week, I believe, that was fixing uh, chicken thighs, <clears throat> boiling them, mm-hmm. boiling them, and putting some of those in, in the juice in the food. So you can do some yes. things that might spice it up and help her to eat more.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Melissa, we well, appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. And, Dr. Major, you, the, you asked about the overall health of the dog, and while that's concerning that it's maybe a little bit thin, the fact that it's in he- good health otherwise is certainly a good sign. Yes, it is. All right, uh, let's uh, take our last break for this hour. When we get back, we'll talk about things going on at the Museum of Natural Science with our guest, Nicole Smith. Dr. Major, still on hand, ready for your pet questions. The number to call to join the conversation, it's one mpb ring one 672 7464 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the show after this no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Our guest for the hour, Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Still time to join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And if you missed any of today's show or want to listen back to a previous Creature Comforts broadcast, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app on your smartphone or listen by downloading the MPB public media app. Uh so Nicole, um there's a relatively new permanent exhibit at the museum, Bird Flight, funded by the family of former director and curator B. E. Gandhi. If you would uh, tell us about that.
0: Oh, it's really beautiful. Um so Mr. Gandhi was he loves birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh so they have done a little birding exhibit uh dedicated to him. And it has uh a, what what we call the wingspan graphic. And the interesting thing about this is that if you lay, lean up against it and stretch your arms out, we could measure your wingspan as if you were a bird, and we can compare that to an equivalent bird in the world. I, I apparently am a turkey vulture, um, just so <laughs> everyone knows. As uh, if you had any doubt, Kevin, you knew this <laughs> uh, But it's kind of a, a neat little thing, you know, because, um, and it, because people are always curious about how scientists make measurements, and this is just like a neat little analog for that. Plus, there's a, a beautiful graphic of uh, of starlings in motion and kind of some descriptions of that motion and what that, you know, phenomenon is called and, and, and how we observe it. So it's just, it's really interesting.
1: Now I'm not just saying this but uh, they get a bad rap but actually the turkey vultures is, is one of my favorite birds. I think they're extremely interesting uh, when you watch them on the side of the road or whatever uh, going about what they do and the the way they can kind of tear through things and uh, uh, anyway uh, some people might not like them but I but I think they're they're very interesting. Oh,
0: I, I like them too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fun. Next time I go to the museum, I'm gonna to have to see what uh, what sort of bird I am. Uh, you also yeah. have a current exhibit at the museum called Monster Fish. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Oh yeah, that is really cool. Okay, so National Geographic built this, and they are stunning life size sculptures, and it's got video installations and illustrations that introduce visitors to about 20 different species of fish, each measuring at least six feet long, and the thing that I am fascinated with by it is that it represents freshwater species across the globe. So when we think of really big fish, oftentimes we think about you know things in the ocean, or we think about the stories our uncle told about the one that got away, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're awesome. Uh, so they've got these life, at least five life-size models. Uh, they have some tactile and digital interactives. These are cleaned constantly to keep you safe uh it, and if a school group came or a home school group came uh, and made a reservation we can send you like the educator guide so you can prepare you know your students to have like a more full experience uh it's it's great it's such a cool exhibit
1: and how long will that be on display
0: it's it's here till the end of the year
1: okay um you mentioned at the top of the show but if you could uh, uh reiterate and go back through some of the guidelines uh, for museum visitors uh, in light of COVID-19?
0: So if you go to our website, like if you Google Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and our website comes up, there's gonna be a little scrolling bar that tell, you know says make a reservation. And you can make a timed reservation for the day and the time that you wanna be here. And that just kinda of helps us know when you're coming. When you do come, that's when you pay. And at the front at the front desk, because you'll just show your this is my you know show it on your phone this is my reservation time, and they'll let you uh, come in. We ask that you wear a mask, and there will be uh, sanitation stations, directional arrows uh, all through the building, and uh, and you will get to see the whole building. Like we've got this like nice path to carry you through the entire experience. And, of course, every door on the lower floor is the beginning of a trailhead. So if you go out those doors, you're beginning a trail walk.
1: And obviously uh, also suggesting that groups stay socially distant. So if you're going through there and there's a group ahead of you, you know, if you would just lag behind, give them the proper space uh, to make sure that everyone can enjoy the, uh, the museum in a safe manner.
0: Correct. And they are, uh, like limits so you whatever the governor is like currently you know telling us we have to do that's what we're doing so group sizes are you know smaller than we've taken in the past uh but we we can do that we and you know like let's say you're in a a group that's always together like a family you know that we consider that family unit that they're going to be together of course they don't have to be six feet from each other but they do have to be six feet from people that they don't no, you know the people that are ahead of them, and we've even put in, we've installed um, separation barriers between the ticket taking and um, and the and the public to keep our staff safe too. So there's a pathway, you know, to pay, but you know there's a, a clear glass uh, barrier too to kind of add a little extra layer of protection for them as well.
1: Uh, And one of the other things you mentioned earlier that I thought was good, because how interactive the museum is, is that you've got your staff coming in every two hours and wiping down all of the touch surfaces in the museum as well.
0: Correct. So we're doing extra cleanings. We're uh, using all the approved uh, cleaners. We have extra uh, germ stations. So wherever there is like an extra touch surface adjacent to that is Germ-X. So let's say you touched it and you're like, oh, I just touched something. That's great. Here's some Germ-X for you. Uh, some of it has been uh, bought locally, like that was produced in uh, distilleries. So if it smells a little extra alcohol-like, there's a reason. <laughs> uh, but just look at that as like good germ-killing fun. <laughs>
1: That's a good thing. Uh you mentioned monster fish on display through the end of the year is it uh too early to tease what might be coming up uh in as the, the next big exhibit the museum
0: Yes it is Okay <laughs> <laughs> I know they're working on something but I, but until a contract is signed uh we can't We can't reveal yet. We don't want to jump the
1: gun. I understand that. Uh, We've got about a minute left. If you could, uh, we've talked about Science Fest being all virtual this year. So, again, give us a complete or a a quick recap of how folks uh, can get connected to enjoy the virtual uh, Science Fest on September 18th and 19th this year.
0: Excellent. So, there's a lot of places that you can actually check this out. First, Please like and follow the, the, the LaFleur Museum District because that is the district that houses all four of these host museums, the Children's Museum, Sports Hall of Fame, Ag Museum, and the Natural Science Museum. Uh, you can like any of those host institutions on their personal Facebooks if you like as well. That's always a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, and actually Mississippi Science Fest Dot .org mssciencefest.org that is an official website dedicated to that event so the virtual schedules are there how to buy the kits will be there um, you know and anything kind of unique to the event is going to be mentioned and advocated there and uh, don't forget we're doing our giveaway now the giveaways on the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science facebook right now is the special kit giveaway so go in and register there for that giveaway you'll want that
1: (laughs) all right nicole thanks for being with us today that's going to wrap us up creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by listeners like you to hear today's show or previous show you can find it at mpbonline.org creature comforts our show is produced each week by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Nicole Smith, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.